Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. If you just stumbled on us, this is the start of our seventh year as a podcast, roughly 1,000 episodes and 200 guests. We've been around for a while. Uh, you will enjoy it, I think, if you stick around. This is Robert alongside my co-host, Stephen Kerr. Hope you caught our Astros playoff preview with Greg Lucas a couple of days ago. And Stephen, what two points did I make in our preview? I said I never, I've never, i never trusted Will Harris more going into an Astros playoff appearance. That was number one. And I also said the Astros kryptonite in the postseason is Roberto Osuna. Geez, I couldn't even watch when he was pitching, man. Well, you were right on both counts, at least tonight, and almost anyway. I mean, Osuna got he, – he did okay in game one, but yeah, in game two, he definitely struggled. And you just knew – and, and it would have been criminal, Robert, if the Astros had lost game two and that bullpen hadn't held the lead, hadn't held the game for, for Garrett Cole. But Will Harris, I mean, what a story this guy is. You want to find out what makes him tick. You know, Colin McHugh has a podcast that uh, he just had Will Harris on recently. Will Harris is quite a story. I mean, he's a guy that you want to root for. He's had his problems in the postseason in years past, but not this year so far. What a season he has had. And boy, did he save the day tonight, literally and from a statistical standpoint. If Osuna had given up a grand slam, I get the feeling all the Astros fans would have held him down so Garrett Cole could punch him in the face. <laughs> well, and how could you blame him? I mean, watching Garrett Cole tonight and then watching Justin Verlander in game one, I'm not a gamer, Robert. I don't know if you are, but I mean, is it is it almost like watching a video game, watching these two pitchers go at it and just and pitch lights out the way they've done? Yeah, that that would have been the most painful loss, I think that the Astros would have had in recent memory if Osuna had blown that game completely and the Rays had come back and won game two and just totally ruined one of the most beautiful performances you'll ever see in a postseason game by Garrett Cole. I was trying to think which Astro might have done what Garrett Cole did in game two, and I, I go back to Mike Scott, game one against the New York Mets, where he just you know put on a show the fans were – just on their feet that whole game. The Mets had no answer for him, and, and that was Garrett Cole. It's, it, it's a stunning performance by Garrett Cole, and it's, it, it's incredibly stunning when you've got to follow up Justin Verlander after he does what he did. But, I mean, is, is that what you think of? We, do we have to go back to 1986? I mean, I was thinking maybe Roy Oswalt, the game that got the Astros into the World Series in 2005, but really it, 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 it doesn't compare to what Mike Scott did and, and what uh, – what Garrett Cole did. Right. Garrett Cole had 15 strikeouts, which set the uh, Astros a new postseason record that Mike Scott had uh, back in, in uh, 86 when he struck out 14. So, yeah, that that was definitely probably the second best performance that you'll see in a playoff series. And Garrett Cole, well, he, he more than matched it. He He went above that tonight. And the way he just battled in that eighth inning – and uh, I believe it was Adamus that – no, it was uh, the catcher, Darno that had that incredible at-bat that just made him throw so many more pitches. But he just kept coming at him and coming at him and coming at him and wasn't about to give in. 
Yeah, you could see the frustration as Garrett Cole kept having to throw pitches. He was like, yeah, that one should have got you out. No, that one should have got you out. He was getting mad because he, he wanted to uh, give A.J. Hinch a little bit of the thought that maybe he could go out there for the ninth inning. And once he, he went through that at bat, he knew it wasn't going to happen. But, you know, if you look at the two performances, Garrett Cole, seven and two-thirds innings, four hits, 15 strikeouts, one walk, which was that last guy that he faced before AJ finally came out there and got him zero, zero runs. Verlander, seven innings pitch, one hit, eight strikeouts, three walks, zero runs. They combined for 14 and two thirds of zero across the board. And look, Tampa Bay, it's not the 27 Yankees, while the Astros might be not too far away from the 27 Yankees, but Tampa Bay, uh, they, they are fighting out there. I mean, it, you can't say that they're, they're not, you know, making the guys work and doing whatever they can. I mean, it's just these guys are, are that on top of their game. Well, they're tough outs. I mean, they may not have the offensive firepower of the Astros or the Yankees or the Twins, but they battle. And you certainly saw it in the late innings. They knew when Garrett Cole came out for the eighth inning, they knew how high his pitch count was. And they were bound and determined to make him work for every pitch he got. And boy, did they ever. It, it almost worked, but not quite. And Robert, I don't have a vote in the Cy Young, but if I did, I know who I would give it to. Are you ready for me to lay it on you? Jay, yeah, here it is. Jay Garrett Colander. That's who I would give it to. <laughs> he, I mean, he's 41 and 11. You got to give it to him, right? <laughs> why, why not just give it to both of them for crying out loud? Come on. Well, that's what Cole says. He he says he would love to to see it split between the two of them. And, you know, if if voters could do that, if they were allowed to do that, uh, they would probably do that because it's it's splitting hairs between these two guys. And Cole is the seventh pitcher all time to strike out 15 or more batters in a postseason game Saturday night. None of the previous six did it with zero walks. Uh, So, you know, he almost got there with the zero walks. And here's another incredible stat. Cole finished with 33 swinging strikes. That's the most by a pitcher in a postseason game in the pitch tracking era, which means since 2008. But there have been just two regular season outings in that span in the last 11 years with more Danny Duffy and some guy named Clayton Kershaw. Both of those guys had 35. So uh, Cole's performance uh, you start going through history when you look at what he was doing there. And um, it, it's really remarkable in this era where guys take so many pitches uh, to, to do what he's able to do because, um, you know, you, you just uh, it's hard to get into that seventh, eighth and ninth inning and to, to get that many pitches. And, you know, all year long, I was thinking, uh, you know, just he he's he's got the capability of doing that, but they've kind of held him back it's like the horse that you you've got getting ready for the Kentucky Derby and you're not going to let him ride that extra furlong because you know you want him to have a little bit left in the tank (laughs) well and think about this in the first inning he threw 21 pitches and you were almost like oh no is he only going to be able to go five or six innings but then he came back in the second inning and struck out the side only threw 10 pitches so he had an economical inning and he needed that but yeah, that first inning, he threw 21 pitches. Otherwise, you know, he might have been able to finish the eighth and not look as, as fatigued as, as he was appeared to be getting. What did you think about the fact that Presley was not really an option in this game? He struggled. 
in game one. And I was a little surprised that they weren't willing to at least explore the possibility of Presley because then you're asking Osuna to get four outs and you know he's, he's hadn't done that much this year if at all yeah I was a little surprised that maybe they didn't put Presley back out there as kind of a you know maybe a confidence booster but then again you know Will Harris he only he only threw a few pitches the other day so I guess they figured well he's got the momentum let's put him out there but yeah I kind of thought that maybe they would go to Presley uh, instead of Osuna to get that final out since that's kind of his role I mean, he, he had that one bad outing in game one, but I, I don't think you're going to lose confidence in somebody like a Ryan Presley just on that one outing. Runners on third, less than two outs. That's always something that I pay attention to. And this was a scary game for the Astros because, you know, you had Springer had a terrible at bat, struck out early in the game in that situation. Then he popped up in the seventh inning a little bit later on. Altuve hit into a double play. Tucker hit a comebacker right before he swung at a pitch that he couldn't hit with a telephone pole. And then Maldonado saves the day, comes through with a two-strike bloop single. And I'm sorry, Martin Maldonado, that nine minutes into this, I'm just mentioning your name because Martin Maldonado (laughs) was fantastic, not only coming up with that huge hit, uh, but also just how many times did he block the ball that could have been you know, in the dirt, letting this run go. The guy moves up, blah, blah. In the ninth inning, Osuna gave him a workout. Jeez. Yeah, and, you know, he he threw out a runner, too, on that strikeout, throw him out double play that, that really saved things. And, uh, yep, they don't call him the machete for nothing. And getting back to the Astros and the scoring chances, you know, they, they left runners in scoring position in game two in the second, third, and fifth innings with nothing to show for it. Left quite a few runs on the table. And how about Springer? 0 for 8 in this series so far. So the Astros are up two games to none. Springer is is 0 for 8. I mean, who would have thought that? And they did leave in several innings runs on the table that could have broken this game open just like they did in game one. You haven't gotten a ton from Brantley so far in this series, but Altuve comes up with the big home run in game one. Uh, we haven't talked to anybody since game one, so I got to bring up uh, Altuve and what he did against uh, Tyler and that at, at bat, and basically when the Astros couldn't figure him out. And then uh, you've got Bregman with the huge home run that sort of opened it up a little bit for the Astros, made you at least breathe out a little bit with the the pitching matchup and and what Blake Snell was doing. I almost thought they took out Blake Snell too early. I I know he hadn't gone a ton of innings and they've got this great bullpen, but uh, he, he really was doing a nice job and, you know, losing to Bregman on a, on a matchup is, is not exactly the worst thing that could happen to you. Uh, but Jordan has been positive. He's gotten some hits. Correa uh, has looked good. I mean, if you look throughout the lineup, there's a lot of positives. I mean, Springer has been a negative, but I'm not worried about him. He'll, he'll get there. He'll come around. Well, and that's what makes the Astros offense so potent is that when some guys are a little bit down or they're they're in a slump, that you've got others to pick them up. You know, this isn't like the 2004-2005 team where they couldn't hit, or even, you know, the 98 team when they ran into such hot pitching and couldn't hit. This offense can hit. And in game one, of course, you know, they were aggressive on the base pads too and uh, manufactured some runs that way. So there are, there are many ways that this Astros offense can beat you even if you've got some guys like Springer or Brantley, who really is one of the most consistent hitters in the game, 
hasn't come through so far in this series. I I just mentioned that Correa picked up the three hits. Uh, It's good to have a healthy Correa because that play he made to start off game two is a play that few shortstops in the last few decades could have made. His ability to get the velocity on that throw is just something you don't see very often. Very special. I mean, Correa... Uh, if you look at what he's done in game twos, this is a real interesting note because in his return after injury stints in July and September, Stephen Correa had two hits, including a grand slam and five RBIs in a second game back in July. He had two home runs and three RBIs in his second game back in September. And in this game, his second game back in October, a two hit night and helped score the second and third runs of the game. Well, and how many times have we said it on this podcast? I mean, his bat is certainly valuable in the lineup, but his defense makes the difference, and it it certainly did in game two. You just each day after each game, you have to say a prayer that that bat does not give out because he just adds even more dimensions to that Astros offense and to the defense. I mean, how many times did we say that his height at shortstop and his arm? make all the difference in the world, even over somebody like Bregman when he's when he's put a shortstop. I got another stat for you. I'm full of them. Uh, Altuve, he had the home run, as I said, in game one. He has hit nine home runs in his postseason career, which ties Jeff Kent, former Astro, for second all-time in postseason home runs by a second baseman. Any idea who's number one? Do you know this stat? I do not. I... That one I don't know. I know that he's had three homers in a row in Game 1 ALDSs, and I I believe uh, a former Astro, J.D. Martinez, also has that distinction, but not that particular stat, no. Yeah, he actually predicted, uh, because he he said to somebody, I I hit home runs. (laughs) I forget which Astro. He said it to Correa. He said it to Carlos Correa that he was going to hit that that home run. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He trails only Chase Utley. Uh, with who's got 10 home runs as a second baseman. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's those stats get skewed now because we're playing so many postseason games compared to the old days, you know? Well, that's true, but Hey, every bit helps. And uh, you know, Bregman may be the team MVP in the regular season and yeah, he's come through in the postseason too, but listen, uh, Altuve is money. I mean, he definitely got the team on track in game one, kind of broke the door open a little bit. And uh, he he just he just continues to be, as A.J. Hinch puts it, the heart and soul of this team. Anything else you got? It, it, it's been a, exactly what you want if you're an Astros fan. You know, you get the two great performances by Verlander and Cole. They're the story. But, you know, Tampa's not going to go easily. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what Granke does. If he can somehow hold up his end of the bargain, he's got a tough act to follow, though. Well, he certainly does. And, you know, if the Astros are going to lose a game in this series, I mean, I picked them in four. If they're going to lose a game, game three might be the one. You know, they are going to have to go to St. Petersburg, and the Astros don't typically do well there. Charlie Morton is going to be pitching. He'll be at home. Now, I don't know that the fans are as into it as much as uh, the Astros fans are at Minute Maid Park, but, uh, you know, Tampa Bay will be at home. Morton will be pitching. The Astros knocked him around the last time, but he did pitch well against them the first time. So that might be the game that the Astros could lose if they're going to lose a game in this series. But, hey, let's let's go back to the Minute Maid fans for a moment. They, we need to pat them on the back for helping them, 
helped the Astros win game one because it was that miscommunication in the outfield that uh, caused that error for the Astros to score the run because the crowd was too loud. What about the stool play in game two? What did you think of that? that that's something I haven't seen before. Yeah, the stool play, that was interesting. <laughs> we, we see so many plays like that in the postseason that we don't normally see during the regular season. Uh, and, and that was one of them. Yeah, that, that cost him a run, I guess. But, you know, it, it's it's one of those situations where I don't know what the ball boy is supposed to do. I don't know how you handle that. I, I mean, it just, you know, I was just more upset with them not getting the run in from third because it's like, even though the stool was there, and I'm like, oh, that, that maybe cost you a run. There's no outs. You got a guy on third now and there's no outs. And I'm like, okay, that's no problem. We got Springer and Altuve coming up. You know, they should be able to handle this. And then, you know, <laughs> you know, it just didn't work. But, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know if, I, if I'm super mad at, you know, the umpires or AJ or, you know, the, the ball boy. I just, you know, whatever. Stuff happens. Well, stuff happens. But it, it just seems that the crazy things like that happen in the postseason. I mean, yeah, the, the regular season has some crazy things. You play 162 games. They probably just don't stand out as much. But in a game like this, people are going to be talking about it. Thankfully, it, it didn't come back to haunt the Astros, or I guarantee you we'd be spending about three-fourths of this podcast talking about it. Last thing I got, I guess, is is Kyle Tucker. Are you surprised at all uh, Tucker was start, starting game two? I wasn't really surprised that he started game two just because he seems to hit lefties a little bit better than Reddick. I was a little bit surprised, though, that Hinch let him bat in the eighth inning. And he did get a good swing on in his first at-bat. He almost drove it out, got it under it just a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, I was a little bit surprised that Hinch didn't pitch for hint for him maybe in the eighth inning uh, when he got another out. So, But, no, I, I wasn't all that surprised that he started over Reddick. Yeah, you said uh, you weren't surprised because he hits lefties better than Reddick. But if you look at this year's stats, I mean, Tucker, it's limited time, but 840 OPS against lefties. Reddick's 836 against lefties. So it's pretty close in that. Yeah, yeah. the big surprise when you look at it is Tucker versus righties, 868 OPS, so a little bit better. But Reddick versus righties, 698. So he's actually struggled more against righties. And I feel like. Reddick does a better job of not opening his shoulder. He, he holds back a little bit. He's more willing to go the other way with the pitch, which you'd like to see him do more because that that's always open. You know, they've always got the shift on him. And, you know, I, I just felt like you should have flip-flopped the two guys maybe and um, put Reddick in there against Blake Snell. And, you know, he's the more veteran guy anyway. You know, uh, Glasnow was, uh, you know, just as – young and inexperienced as, as Kyle Tucker in that situation. So it wouldn't have made a whole lot of difference. But, uh, you know, I understand not wanting to start Tucker in, in game one of the postseason. I mean, that's a, a big spot for him. But still, I, I just, you know, I'm like, I, I, I kind of want to see Reddick at this point for the most part. I know people want to see Tucker. I mean, if you look at it, I'm sure Astros Twitter was super excited because really this was the first time – all year, we've seen what they've been waiting for all year, which was the Magnificent Seven along with Kyle Tucker in the lineup. I mean, this is this is like history for the Astros to see all these guys uh, playing one through eight. I mean, that's it's going to be – might go down. We might look back at it. And that, hey, that's the best lineup the Astros ever had was, was these eight guys. Well, and by the time Tucker came up in his second at-bat, Snow was out of the game and there was a righty in there. 
But, uh, yeah, I, I think that just the way he's been hitting lately, A.J. Hinch showing some confidence in him, you know, maybe taking a little chance. But, you know, after tonight, we, we might see more of, of Reddick and maybe a little bit less of Tucker, except perhaps in a pinch hitting role. A lot of it is it's just going to depend on how things go and matchups and so forth the rest of the series. So that's it for this when the Astros take care of business. Uh, 3-1 in game two, 6-2 in game one. It's nine to three, in, according to my bad math in the, in the two two <laughs> games for the Astros. So uh, we we go to game three. Zach Granke, don't forget, we're putting this up late, late Saturday night. Uh, we are going to have the Texans post game on Sunday night. So look for the Texans post game, and we'll continue to bring these Astros post game shows to you. So uh, keep an eye out for them. Uh, it might depend on. Our availability, it also might depend on uh, when the games are, afternoon, evening, uh, that sort of thing. But keep an eye out for the Astros post-game shows. We thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you again really soon. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.